One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I have one of my favorite humans on today to tell you about an amazing product that we both love. Well, thank you, honey. This is Milkman Mark Hyman here telling you about the almond cow, which I saw on those Instagram posts, and I thought, we've got to have one of these and see whether it is actually as good as it looks. And it is. It's actually even better because there are things that you can make out of it. Almond milk, oat milk. Cashew milk. Uh, coconut milk. Anything you want, you can make in this. And what's great is you have, there are fewer preservatives, less sugar, and then what you get left over at the end is this pulp that you can make into, can make cookies or muffins, so nothing goes to waste. And it's there any time, so if you run out of milk, you don't have to run to the store. It is so amazing. We love it, love it, love it. So if you want to get your own, check out the link and use code Lara for extra savings. Approved by the Milkman. Good movement, and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a lit yoga podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through smarter and safer movement patterns, so together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings. Welcome to Friday with Friends. Today, I have my friend, Yogi Aaron on with me. So we met only by email years ago when I ran a retreat at his gorgeous resort in the Osa Peninsula of Costa Rica. We reconnected today to talk about his new podcast and his new outlook on yoga. So like me, he's been practicing a very long time, but unfortunately, like so many people, was injured by his yoga practice. And he learned a lot through his experience of pain, how to better prepare his body and better move his body. And he now has a podcast called Stop Stretching. So that might give you an idea, but we have a lot to talk about. And some of what he says, I'm sure you will recognize um, that I have said before as well about really finding stability before mobility and how we can apply this concept more on the mat to help us feel our best and stay injury-free. So enjoy my conversation with Aaron. Welcome, Aaron, Yogi Aaron. So happy to have you on here. I'm, I'm so excited to be here. And especially since we're, we've been connected for a long time and I feel like we've kind of come full circle at this moment. So I'm really, I, I have a lot I of agree. gratitude. Thank you. Yes. For everybody listening, just a very short backstory. Um, Yogi Aaron uh, owns an amazing retreat center in the Osa region 
Osa Peninsula of Costa Rica, where I went and did a held a week long advanced teacher training, and it was magical. I talk about this place all the time because I love Costa Rica. I want to live there. You're already ahead of me, uh, so I do want to. I, I want to jump back into what led you to Costa Rica before we journey into your path and everything else. Oh my goodness. Um, I was in New York City. I had a studio in New York City. And at that time, it was around 2005 or six. And I was just feeling called to create some sort of community or like an ashram kind of situation. And to make a very long story short, I uh, had already started leading retreats in Costa Rica. So two things kind of simultaneously happened. One, I realized to do this in New York was just going to be economically unfeasible, as you can imagine. I think the price tag starting was like $20 million. And um, and then, then the other thing that simultaneously happened was I just started leading retreats on the Osa Peninsula, where Blue Osa is, and just fell in love. And there was something inside of me that just kind of like screamed, this is home. And uh, it, so then this retreat place or this property just kind of magically appeared. And you've been there, you know how magical it is. And, and I remember driving by on this dusty road and there was a for sale sign outside the property. And it, it's like, oh, whatever, you know, there's for sale signs everywhere. But then what caught my attention was as we we're driving by, there was like this tunnel of you know bougainvilleas but you could see through the tunnel and there was just this blue <laughs> which was the ocean of course and i just fell in love at that moment and i don't know something side of me was like this is it and well then the rest is history <laughs> i know and and you know i i just admire that this is something i would love to do i talk about and i i think when i'm ready if i do something whether it's Costa Rica is, to me, as ideal as, as it can get in terms of the, obviously, the environment, the landscape, the energy, the people, uh, the economic ability to do this more than maybe doing it somewhere in the States, like you were mentioning. Um, but, but it still is a huge leap of faith, for sure. Yes. And how, how did you um, get the citizenship or, or whatever it requires. Cause you've now been down there over 15 years. Yeah. When you, when you come to Costa Rica, you can apply for residency and just for your listeners to know since COVID um, Costa Rica has actually made it really easy to get residency because they really are finding that it is foreigners that bring a lot of economic stability to this country, and especially for people that want to come and live here for a year or two. Um, so they're really making it a lot easier, and it's a lot easier now than when I applied for residency. But that's what I did, is I applied for residency, and sort of the back channel of me getting in here was because of the um, the property and having a business and that sort of thing. So Costa Rica is very welcoming to foreign investment, to people who are looking to create businesses and bring more economic uh, stability here. So I love that. I, well, for everybody it listening, take a couple of years, yeah, but yeah. <laughs> everybody listening, please go to Blue Osa. It is 
it's, I mean, your interior design, your exterior design, everything about it is, and the food, I mean, on and on. It's, it's incredible. So I, um, I, I will be back, but Thank we're you. really here to talk about your next adventure, which is yes. you have just, um, launched a podcast yes. and are going to write a book. So let's, let's talk about the venture into that and what was inspiring that. Oh my goodness. I, so I've been doing yoga since I was about 18 years old. Um, and I remember when I was 18, I threw, I'm doing quotation marks for those just listening <laughs> through my back out. <laughs> and I was like, what is going on? And I'm 18 years old. This shouldn't be happening uh, to me. And I, of course, started to stretch more and started to try to open my back up. And I, you know, I didn't really have too many back problems after that, like to that intensity, but I always had some issues, especially now I can pinpoint it and say it was like right in my glute med, piriformis, TFL. I didn't know that at the time. I just kept pointing to, you know, the massage therapist or my chiropractor, like I feel pain here. And nobody, nobody ever said to me, you know, Aaron, stop doing forward folds, stop uh, stretching your glutes, stop pigeon pose, you know, stop doing these things. And then my path kind of took me down Ashtanga and Ashtanga yoga. And, and it was like, oh, I would go do my practice and I would feel so great. And the next day I would wake up with more pain. <laughs> and that happened like very consistently throughout my life. And I remember telling some friends or, or, and some students that I had become friends with about this. And they were always saying to me, you're a yoga teacher, you're a yogi, you do this practice, you should not be in pain. And I kept thinking like, what is wrong with me? Like, oh, maybe I'm not stretching enough. Maybe I'm not flexible enough. Uh, eventually my path took me to meet um, my physiotherapist or who became, I call him my physiotherapist. Eric and Eric was really into a, a practice called MAT, which stands for muscle activation technique. And it's a school that's based out of uh, Colorado and their modality is more massage based, more hands-on manipulation. And I remember I went to see Eric the first time and my neck had completely seized up. I was actually ironically just come back from Costa Rica and I was dealing with severe nerve pain for two weeks um, to the point where I couldn't sleep. I went to see Eric. He brought my pain level from like a nine out of 10 down to like a one in, two, in, in an hour and a half. And I was like, what's going on here? Um, it took me over the next several years of finding out more about muscle activation technique and Finally, um, after sort of my own journey led me into the hospital uh, because of my lower back and herniated discs and a doctor saying to me, you're probably going to need a spinal fusion in your lower back. And I, th that, that point made the decision that I was not going to stretch anymore. And I was only going to do um, these kind of practices that Eric was teaching me to activate my multifidus <laughs> and, and other muscles in my back and, and whatnot. Then just about a year and a half before COVID happened, so it was like around the beginning of 2019, I think, 
I decided I really wanted to start learning more. And so I jumped into the MAT courses, um, not because I was so much interested in becoming an MAT therapist per se, but because I felt like I was really lacking in um, the knowledge of human anatomy, of muscle function. And when I got into that course, I was mortified at how little I knew. And that was just shocking to me. Like, I was like, why didn't I ever learn any of this stuff before? How did I not understand basic muscle function? Um, uh, as me as a yoga teacher, here I am adjusting people and torquing them and, and this sort of thing. Um, just for the record, though, I had almost almost stopped doing adjustments like many, many, many years before. But still, it was it was just shocking to see how little I knew. And that was that was a big flip for me. And so I started to rewrite my own yoga teacher training and and came up with sort of applied yoga anatomy and muscle activation, which really uh, takes muscle activation, brings it into yoga. And so in layman's terms, it really starts to ask, how can we do more postures dynamically as opposed to passively? Um, but then also, how do we get people more excited about their body and learning about anatomy and just basic fun function? And that has really gotten me fully excited. And uh, then that kind of led me to the whole Yama thing and then creating this podcast and working on a new book. <laughs> so, I love it. Well, you're speaking. My, yeah, that's a great story. And you're speaking, you know, my language and my. Um, it's not frustration, but but there was frustrating aspects of witnessing the m multitude of yoga teachers who were coming to it with passion, coming to it with a love, wanting to share it, but not being equipped with how to help people by actually mm -hmm. educating them about their bodies as opposed to just calling out poses or shapes. And they're... So I've been talking, I've been like barking up this tree a long time and it's, uh, it's worked, but at first it was kind of like, well, it was almost like people were opposed to learning about their body or people were opposed to this idea of em employing, um, functional anatomy terms, which are not scary at all. Once you start to understand no. it's like you said, it's exciting, it's joyful. And I think that, um, your history, it's very, it's very humbling for you to recognize like the things that you were doing were not preparing your body and in fact could have been harming it. Um, can so can you speak a little bit more about some aha moments that that you were um, kind of revealed by learning more about uh, your body after it was injured and probably injured further I would I would think by your, by your yoga practice? Well, my teacher in, in MAT, and, and just, just to be clear for your listeners, like, I just want to be very clear that MAT is not yoga. It's, and it's a whole different modality, um, um, mostly for therapeutic purposes. So just to be clear about that, but that was my doorway into this world. And my teacher, Greg, Greg is, who's the creator of MAT, he will always say that when you have uh, 
flexibility, you're always going to be open and vulnerable to injury. But when you have stability, you have all the mobility in the world. And I, I kind of intellectually, I sort of understood it, but it wasn't until I actually started to put it into practice that I actually was like, oh my God. <laughs> like, let me give you one little example. And I remember um, one day I was on my mat and I was kind of playing around with this a little bit. It was when I was doing the whole section in the trunk and spine. And from an MAT perspective, the number one trunk rotator that we need to address is for rotation for in, in yoga world that's twisting is TVA, transverse abdominis. And so one day I was, I was just playing around with some twisting and I was just looking at my range of motion. And then I went into plank pose, which is a great way to activate the TVA, the transverse abdominis. I came back and I did the twist and my range of motion, both sides increased by 30%. Hmm. And, and it was just like, wow, like when muscles are working properly, then my range of motion actually not only improves, but now I have strength at that range of motion, as opposed to if I'm just sitting and I force myself into a twist by using my arms as levers to torque the twist. But if I stay there and then I test the muscle strength, there is no strength. There is no stability at that end range of motion. And that was like a huge light bulb, like just stuff like that started turning on for me. And that's really how I started to develop um, a lot of the Ayama stuff. Another example of it too was just, I love doing handstands. I'm not a handstand king by anything. You won't see handstands on my Instagram, <laughs> on the edge of clips, but I love handstand. I love just doing it and doing it as a practice of, for so many reasons. But one day I was kind of goofing around again and I thought, okay, <laughs> you're going to love this one. So what would happen if I activated my multifidus before doing handstand? So I got on, did my multifidus activation practice. And it was just like when I went up into handstand, it was so effortless. And I, I actually found that I could balance a lot easier. So it was just like these little things kept happening. These little light bulbs kept going off and realizing like the doorway in is not through flexibility. The doorway in is really through stability. And this is how we do it. Hmm. I love that. And for anybody listening who's like, what is the multifidus? If you've been listening to me long enough, you'll know I reference it. But it is, I, I, it's like the barber pole, you know, that has the, yeah. the color. Basically around the spine, within the spine, uh, the vertebral segments, there's this beautiful muscle, the multifidi, because there's multiple segments of it running all the way to the lumbar cervical spine. But it's essentially what is extending and, and stabilizing your spine and it is right at the root of it it's in the you know it's in it and it is it has been shown that for people with chronic low back pain for instance the multifidi is essentially not even showing up to the party at all like the emg studies where you go into some kind of extension pattern um, people with chronic low back pain, their multifidi aren't even activating it doesn't mean they don't yeah. have them they're just not they're dormant and yeah. that is a real clue that 
that like what you're talking about. And the fact that like your doctor says fusion, why would somebody need spinal fusion? They need stability. That's what fusion is. And yeah. so when people are like excessively pushing into a, a segment of the spine without the stability, you get unstable. And that can be uh, in the form of spondylolisthesis, where there's slippage of the vertebra. That could be the, the disc is pushing out. It could be many things. So fusion gives you an idea of like, you have to structurally, surgically fuse an area that was pushed on too much and didn't have the stability required. Now, my next question is, have you found resistance to this uh, kind of shift in your own paradigm? And if so, what do you think, What because I'm always curious why, I have my own opinions about it, but I want to know yours, why people are resistant when their information isn't really like, yeah, this is not debatable. I hate to say it, yeah. it's just not, it's biomechanics. But why do you think people, the yogis are resistant to it? And have you found that to be true? I, I well, there's many, there's a few things I want to say, but um, you're right, it is not debatable. And unfortunately that's not being highlighted. Like the amount of studies out there that show what happens when we stretch and the loss of stability, the loss of just pure strength um, is just so depleted. And um, I, for myself, I remember it was around 2015-ish and I was starting to think like, I really need to change the way that I teach yoga. Um, and it wasn't until recently I real I had this kind of aha moment that and I was honest with myself and I realized that I did not stop completely stop teaching stretching because I was like, if I'm a yoga teacher, what am I going to teach? And I think, um, one of my best friends who I won't name on this podcast is coming to help me teach, uh, the, the, my next teacher training, I'm doing a 300 hour and I've actually forbidden them from teaching any more asana just because they don't know how to make that leap into the not stretching idea. And I, I can see them struggle and I see other teachers struggle in my opinion that it's like, well, if I don't teach this, then what am I teaching? If I'm not teaching people to go as far as they can go into a pose, then what am I teaching? And I, I it's, that's my own personal mission now. It's like to remind yoga teachers, what are we actually teaching in yoga? What is the purpose of it and from a philosophical perspective? But then from a biomechanical perspective, it's really about how do we get this body operating better? Stretching is not the answer um, uh, to it. So. I, I, I fully agree. I would often say, because I, as we were talking beforehand, I don't, I haven't taught seated forward folds for decades. And, yeah. you know, and I always say, I, I think that was kind of like thrown in. <laughs> like, uh, if you have an hour, because it used to be like, you know, these were 90 minute practices. And it's like, okay, at the end, we're going to wind down and get on the ground and do all the stretching. Yeah. And, but why, why do we need to get on the ground and do all this stretching? Because it's not helping us. But like you said, I think people didn't know what else to do. Like, well, what else, how else am I going to fill in that 90 minutes? Now, of course, we have lots of, uh, lots more 
people that are fine with doing 30 minutes of a practice versus it kind of when we started, I've been practicing 27, teaching 27 years, hour and a half was kind of standard for the, the amount of time a class would be. So I think some of it was like, I, I said it was filler stuff. But I, yeah, <laughs> yes. you know, it's like filler stuff. Let's get down on the ground and kind of roll around. And to me, the way I look at it is, is that how do we, embodiment is actually understanding how to best serve your body, how to best balance your body. There's no perfect finite point to get there. But when people might question you if they haven't already, how this is, well, you used to, they might say, Aaron, you used to teach much more philosophical yoga. How is this still yoga? Like, what would your response to that be? I say it works perfectly. I, I always, whenever I hear something about yoga, for me personally, it always gets filtered in through sutras one, two, three, and four, and then sutras, there's a few sutras, but one, two, three, and four, and then sutras 246, 47, and 48. And sutra 246 says, what is the qualities of asana? Stiram sukham asanam. And so stira means, in its truest form, stira means still. And it can also be translated as stable. And so I think, and then of course, sukha can be translated a few different ways, but um, one of my favorite ones is joy. <laughs> sukha mukha, yes. <laughs> sukha mukha. The happy face, and, joyful, yeah. <laughs> so if we look at still, then what are the practices that I'm creating to get still in my body? And and that seated forward fold, like when my back finally got to that point where I ended up in the emergency room, what kind of preceded that was a few things, but one was me doing this practice, this daily practice of like an hour to an hour and a half of seated forward folds mostly. And I didn't realize how much that was actually damaging my body and I would get so much pain um, and then I would do this practice and I would feel better, but then 30 minutes, 60 minutes, an hour and a half later, that searing, sharp sciatic pain just became really dominant. Um, so therefore I was not experiencing stira because I was not in pain anymore. So I think from the gift of asana, in my opinion, is to help us get so still and at peace in our body that we're not being distracted by these little aches and pains, or in my case, these aches that led Searing. me to the hospital. Yeah. Yeah. And, and if we look at like, what is the purpose of yoga? For me, the purpose of yoga is A, to live a happier life. And then secondly, to go and fulfill my life purpose. How can I fulfill my life purpose if I'm in like so much pain that I'm in bed all the time, not living my best life? So I think that from how I kind of blend this and, and how I say, it, no, what we're actually teaching with these kind of muscle activation approach or dynamic approach to yoga as opposed to a passive approach um, in terms of stretching, that we're actually creating a stronger vessel so that we can go and live our best life. And if we wanna bring it down to meditation so I can actually sit better in longer in meditation without being like, oh, my lower back is killing me. Oh, I've got the sciatic pain. Oh, my knees are blowing out right now and I can't sit. So 
I love that. I love that answer. Um, Because again, I don't know if anybody's asked you that, but I think it will be asked for sure. I know I've received that over the years. Less so now because it's much more, people are much more open-minded, I think, than they used to be about that there are, that, that yoga is not a certain way, but it is it is, a, again, an invitation to examine how we can better balance our lives, how we can find that shiosuka, the balance of it. We need the structure and stability, the stillness, without the disruption of feeling aches and pains and feeling the, oh, woe is me. Because like you said, mm-hmm. if we feel good. We have the space to be, and the generosity to think outside of ourselves. But if we're yes. only... We're only focused on like, you know, how we're performing or how something hurts or whatever it is. Um, that's really taking us out of this connection to others as well. Absolutely, pain. Pain is just a physical pain, and forget about emotional pain for a moment. Just physical pain just takes us so out of whatever we're doing that we're constantly thinking in the back of our mind: How can I get out of this pain? How can I get out of this pain? Um, rather than, as I said earlier, living our best life. I love to hike. I'm a huge hiker. And um, like many people, as we get older, by the age of 29, my knees started giving out on me. And I, I remember going on this one hike. It was right around the age of 29 and, and coming back, and I could, I could barely walk for three days. Mm. I was in that much pain. And... Um, and I've slowly found different ways that, to manage it, getting braces, you know, external things to create more uh, stability. But since I've been doing these um, kind of muscle activation practices, um, I go out now. I don't need to wear a brace anymore. And I'm fine afterwards. And I don't, I, I can walk like, you know, 12 kilometers in the mountains and not have any issues and actually come back feeling even stronger. Um, so, you know, Up, there's 50, my dog. 50, yeah. Yeah. 50 is looking good. <laughs> Very good. Yes, it should. And that, you know, you bring that up when people have knee pain at any age, the first thing to look at is what is the knee is a victim. So clearly this is all in line with that low back, your glutes were probably not performing well, your hips weren't moving, were not actually mobile and stable. So the knee is burdened to do this work where it really, it's just meant to bend and straighten and, and execute the movement that is directed by the hip, the more proximal joint. So yeah, if anybody's listening and they have knee pain, don't focus on the knee, focus on what is causing that. And it is not the knee itself. It's usually up the chain, might be the ankle, but it's one of those things. So let's talk about also, your, yeah, go ahead. Well, no, I was just going to quickly just kind of add on to that too. Cause as a yoga teacher before, like old Yogi Aaron <laughs> would go, if somebody came in with knee pain, I would be like, okay, let's like figure out ways to stretch it out, you know, for lack of better words. Right. And, and it's just like, now I'm like, oh no, that's, as you just said, stability in the pelvis is so important. And and, and when, when that's not working, it, as you just so beautifully said, like the knees just take the brunt 
and, and become the suspension system of the body rather than the glutes and, and the hips. So yeah. it was very yeah. well said. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> well, I say it all the time, so I should, <laughs> should know how to say it. Love it now. Uh, so let's talk about your endeavor. Like, what is your mission with this new podcast? Like, what do you want? You know, I'm asked this all the time in my 500th and something episode, uh, you know, so what is your mission that, what did you, what would you like to really relay with the messages besides some of the things that you're saying or anything else? I, the podcast was, um, which is called stop stretching is kind of a culmination of a lot of, um, ideas that I've been sitting with for a few years. And, um, I really wanted to create something to give yoga teachers, um, kind of a different window into a universe. And it's, while it's called Stop Stretching, it deals with a lot of different issues. Um, it, the third episode, which I love, I interviewed uh, uh, an expert on biomechanics and actually to talk about biomechanically what happens when we stretch. Uh, one of my favorite episodes is episode uh, seven, which will be released in October. And it's really about like, how as a teacher, like, what are things to think about? Like, how can you start to be a better teacher? And we kind of actually look at the history of, of yoga as well. And how did we get to this whole stretching paradigm? Like, where did it actually come from? And I think a lot of people, like one of the things I, I really try to really get people to hear, it's not easy, but that, like, I'm a huge Ashtanga yoga person and people don't realize the roots of Ashtanga yoga started with a bunch of, you know, teenage 16 year old Indian boys. Um, and so when 50 year old, uh, um, you know, desk worker comes into yoga and they're like, but this practice is hurting my shoulders. It's like, yeah, because you're not a 16 year old lanky, 80 pound. Indian oh boy. my gosh. I say this all the time. I say we have like, well, we have to be true to yoga. I'm like, you're not a 16-year-old Indian. You don't have the same femurs. Like, the, their femurs are exactly. like, you know, six inches apart. You have, you're a woman with a pelvis. You don't line your heels up in Warrior One. That's the dumbest alignment cue. And it was all originated because it worked for them. And that's a very, very yes. small pocket of people. But this yeah. apply all has really been detrimental. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So, so can you can you can you just give us a little like sneak peek like what it like when did this stretching thing happen well, well i for me inside you know the history and i've i've kind of studied the history quite a bit um i mean there's a, it kind of comes out in a couple of different places you know we can look at patabi joyce and this whole idea of adjusting people really came from patabi joyce who you know used to lay his naked body on people to push them deeper into um, his nearly naked body, sorry, uh, <laughs> on people to push them deeper into poses. So there was no adjusting in, in you know, the yoga world. And it was through the adjusting that people, quote unquote, increased their uh, flexibility. So that's kind of one place that we can kind of look at. The other culprit, <laughs> who is actually one of my heroes, Iyengar. Um, is James Oh, no, yeah. no, 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 Jane Fonda. And, um, <laughs> you know, because she was really one of the very first people that kind of brought yoga into this sort of fitness world. Um, 
And, you know, it kind of came out of the yoga studios um, and then started entering into the fitness world. And I believe, you know, the combination of the two kind of started to bring it more into kind of a fitness mindset, which was we need to stretch. So let's go do yoga to stretch. And, um, and then you, then you, it, it became more exacerbated when you see very healthy, uh, lanky, um, uh, people in tight outfits, you know, in these kind of flexible, uh, postures. And I, in interviewing a lot of people for stop stretching, um, especially my students, one of the things that kind of startled me, um, cause I didn't really realize it before, but how much we associate flexibility with health mm. and youth. And that we think, oh, if I'm only more flexible, then I'm going to be healthier. I'm going to be younger. And that's kind of a paradigm. That's a hard paradigm to switch. It is. I, I think you're so right. I think we see like a pretzel position and visually it stimulates this idea of freedom. Because mm-hmm. I think more than any, and, and I speak a lot about what I want most is freedom in my body because that gives me choices. Like I can go for a hike and then not feel pain. I can crawl under a fence if I get stuck on one side. I mean, I can jump over something. I can go for a run with my kids. I can do a handstand. Like I have choices and I have freedom. And when we just see a static position of somebody folded in a very kind of almost contortionist way, it has a sense of freedom. Like, wow, that person has no limitations. But to your like what you're saying is we do have to shift that, that that is freedom is the is is, again, variability. It is Mm -hmm. it is strength within and space. But the space is only like if you have a room, the only reason that room has a feeling of space is because it has walls and a door. It has to have the frame. And so the freedom that actually gives space is the structure to it. And mm-hmm. then that ability to move in a variety of ways the way we were born to be. So it's, that's hard to convey in a static position. You can't, right? So I think, like you, like it's, I'm not surprised what your, what your students have told you is that it, visually it looks like that person is so free. Whereas what we really need to say is, that person's neurological system isn't giving them a lot of feedback. <laughs> you know, if you can so just lay true. right over your legs, your torso in a forward yeah. fold, then you're somebody that is not getting a lot of feedback. I always yeah. tell that when I used to teach and people would come in, I'm like, and I tell my teachers, worry about the people that are just fo- like dripping over themselves because they aren't getting any feedback and they are, they're, hurting the passive restraints. I am so happy when I get the tightest guy who's like, I can barely bend over. I'm like, you've got lots of feedback. All we're going to try and do is make your joints a little more mobile. And with time, the tissues will get more adaptable, more pliable. But if they, if your knees never straighten, if you never, I don't care because you're getting a lot, you are getting lots of feedback, which you're interpreting as I'm stiff. And it's yes. like reframe it like, you're, you're, you're really in touch with your nervous system. Now you're just going to yes. coax, you're going to coax it a little bit and you're going to give it some more tools to recognize that, oh, I, 
I don't have to speak out so quickly because I actually have some more space in my joints. Anyway. Yes, absolutely. No, I mean, it's, that's all, it's all great. And I think that you touch on something, which is something I say to my students all the time. Like we're not addressing the muscular system per se. We're addressing the neuromuscular connection and improving that. And um, I, I do get some very, um, I call her uh, Natalia, the ballerina. We get the Natalia, Natalia the ballerina in my, my yoga teacher trainings at times. And they're consistently always complaining about back pain. And then what do they do? They just drop into these forward folds and it's trying to get them to make that switch in their head. Oh my God. It's, <laughs> it's really hard. Easy. And I usually come up to them and I will say, you have been rewarded and you, you have been idealized for doing this. And I'm going to tell you, I love you enough to tell you, I don't want you to do that because it is not going to benefit you. Even if the yoga world has put you up on this pedestal, it is detrimental. Mm -hmm. And so I try and reframe it and tell them like, I get it. Like you've gotten a lot of great feedback. The teachers are like, you know what you're doing. I'm going to totally ignore you and look, everybody look at Natalia, look how she can put her arm underneath her leg and all that. And it's like, no, please stop glorifying that because those people need us to come in and give them, um, yeah, yeah, to reconnect and, yes. and create more stability um, yeah. in their body. And one of the things that I think a lot of people don't—I don't know—it's like I, I repeat it a lot, um, but that you know you do you don't see gymnasts past the age of like 28, 30 years old. You know these gymnasts that we idolize that have this incredible range of motion, <clears throat> but they, but you don't see them operating past, uh, 30 years old. And we need to take a cue from that. Same thing with ballerinas. Uh, we don't see a lot of ballerinas, like really good ballerinas functioning well past the age of 30. Like a lot of, when I lived in New York city, I constantly had these, um, ex ballerinas coming into my class um hobbling labor they have labral <laughs> tears they're getting hip replacements at 40 i mean that's that's yeah. a clue yeah exactly i yeah we need to look at the the athletic people who yeah that are sustaining this for decades i, I say the same thing truthfully you don't see a lot of ashtangis in their 60s you know it's it's like it's it's going to batter you down it, it it's just a matter of uh when and 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 the ones that are really still there are Honestly, they're men, and they've probably had enough of, you know, because we do have different um, structures, and men are mm -hmm. going to have some of those kind of end ranges faster than women are. Um, and so, but still, it's not, there's not a lot of them out there. So, no. I, no. what I appreciate so much, Aaron, is, and I feel like if you're going to speak to a lot of people, because I am coming from a professional mindset as well as, experiencing on my own body and knowing like the body wisdom, but you're coming from the, the path that most people are going to be on. You were doing, practicing a certain way. And then you had, I would say something thrust upon you. And instead of saying this sucks, some blah, 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 you had the curiosity to think, what is it that I'm doing that I could do differently? And I think you're going to speak to so many people because you can say truly I practiced and taught this way for a long time and now I recognize 
I need to change that and I need to shift mm-hmm. it for myself, but for others. Have you found that you, the people that have been practicing with you have had that mindset with you? Yeah, I, I think that some people um, have been more receptive. Um, you asked me before how people are, are taking in what I'm offering. And I find like when I get people in my class and I can take them through a practice, you know, it's a lot easier than trying to uh, talk about this with, you know, in the abstract with somebody because they kind of look at me and go, what? I never forget one time I, I put something on, um, I'm in a men's uh, Facebook group, men's yoga Facebook group. Um, it's got like 22,000 members, but I put this thing about stretching and um, it stopped, I think it was called Stop the Flexibility Madness, uh, was, a, was an article that I wrote. And this one person wrote a response and said, you know, what is this malarkey? <laughs> and, so, and, and I said, well, what about the article didn't you like? And they said, I'm not even going to engage. That was their response. And I thought that was really, um, for me, was really telling on a lot of levels. Um, it, it kind of encouraged me to st- kind of stop and go, okay, how can I create more conversation about this? Which is why I started this, created this podcast, because my goal was hey, let's create this conversation. Let's talk about this more. And as you said, like to start sharing my own history of pain, which has been, you know, a lot um, with other people. And, and I think that we can all kind of connect at some level at, a, at that level and hopefully be able to start having a conversation um, about it. Because I am not a super person at all. I have... <laughs> had all I've created I've experienced all kinds of of trauma in my own body and then I've also inflicted all kinds of trauma in my own body. <laughs> right, right. Well, I think what you're um I I think your just entire energy is so welcoming. It's and it's I think that um people if if you don't have anybody who just you know kind of is like that malarkey guy, then you're probably not doing anything um, brave because it's brave to actually speak. Again, not It's not like against something, but it's forward thinking. And, and a lot of people are just stuck in what they, their mindset. And so I really applaud you for that. And I think bringing Thank in you. your personal journey and your um, experience of teaching and changing it is, is, is a brave act because it's, it's really kind of quintessentially, um, yoga it's like freeing the ego from it and saying what is the heart say and the heart is like i want people to feel better i want people to be more compassionate toward themselves and others and we can do that actually by tending toward to in uh, you know, tending our own ecosystem a lot better um yeah so thank you so much so tell everybody where we can find out more about you your podcast and all of that good stuff well, the podcast is really easy. Just go to wherever you get podcasts and look for Stop Stretching. <laughs> it's on Apple and Spotify and all of these places. Um, and then if they want to learn more about what I'm doing, just visit my website, yogiaron.com. We actually just gave the whole website a new facelift. So 
um, it's really looking good and it'll just kind of um, give you access on there. One of the things that I offer um, that's on there is the access to my seven day paint free series. So I have a, a series um, of different exercises that I offer to people. And I also have created a ton of videos now on my YouTube channel, um, which is another way people can access what I'm doing. And I've got practices on there for feet and for neck and back problems and stiff hips and all of these kind of things. There is no stretching, though. Beware. There's no stretching. <laughs> <laughs> Sign me up. I love it. I love it. And, um, yeah, check out Blue Osa as well. That's um, Aaron's property in Costa Rica. And you run teacher trainings there, correct? Yes. Yeah, yes, it's a beautiful property, right. a wonderful place to drop in and to really discover more about um, how to move well and feel your best. So thank you so much for joining me. It was really great to catch back up with you. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Laura. And for everyone who's listening, as always, I'm pulling for you. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.